we're actually giving you value beyond just dollars and cents. And I, and I hope people feel that because it's something that we're, you know, we try and get better at every day. And we, like I said, we really give a shit when it comes to the product and the experience that, that, that one will have coming into a fishbowl. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It wasn't all that long ago that the idea of fast food and quick service restaurants were considered anything but healthy or quality. But being fast need not be associated with poor quality. We've seen a swell of operators change the mindset and perceptions of the quick service sector. What does this sector look like now? Nathan Duller is the co-owner of Fishbowl with over 32 stores in New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria. Nathan, how are you? Good, thank you. And thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on the show. Um, the quick service sector has really changed a lot in um, the last couple of years. Um, how, do you, how do you see it? Yeah, well, look, interesting that you pointed out that it has changed dramatically in the last five years. And we as a business have actually you know, been in operation for, you know, what's coming on to six years. So, I mean, you know, I, I would I would acknowledge it was, it was probably, a, a, you know, a combination of, um, you know, of, you know, good timing and good luck that we were able to actually pick up some of those, you know, you know, really big shifts in the industry and actually develop a business model around that. Tell us a little bit about Fishbowl. Um, yeah, cool. Well, look, it was started um, by myself and two partners, Nick and Casper, uh, just coming on to six years ago now. And we were all studying at the time uh, at, and, and we're at university and we're basically just looking for a you know, for, for a solution for, you know, healthy food that tasted really good, that was accessible uh, and convenient. And there was really, you know, in terms of, in terms of the space, you know, when we, like I said, you know, you just go to your, you know, any food court or, you know, you wanted to go and spend $15 on, on a meal. And um, at that time, you know, health and um, you know, quality produce was really, you know, it was already kind of top of mind for, for young people and there really were no good options. Um, or we thought there were no options that kind of met our needs um, at the time. So we, we kind of decided like, you know, what, what would a solution um, look like? Um, I grew up around, uh, like I love Japanese food. Um, you know, I, I tra- did quite a bit of traveling um, to Tokyo and it was always my, one of my favorite cities in the world. And I, I kind of just looked at um, sushi and, and, and ate in Japanese food as a cuisine and uh, just thought, look, it, you know, it, people like the flavors. Um, it exists on every high street in every city around the world. Um, you know, what does this look like if we actually, um, you know, kind of, you know, put a contemporary spin on these flavors, but in a salad, which we felt was something that um, we, you know, was, was lacking at the time. So in, in doing that, we kind of just um, conceptualized a, a menu uh, and an offering and yeah, set up our first store in Bondi in a 30 square meter shop um, that we've you know, since relocated from. And I think from the start, yeah, yeah, our focus was always on let's try and just create the most beautiful product that we can create because at the end of the day, like that is you know, our core proposition. And beyond that, we thought like, you know, how else can we incorporate our values and our interests into this business, which I guess is where we started to have a bit of fun with design and personality, fashion, music, um, and, and business as well. Like these were all interests of ours. And, um, like I said, I was at uni at the time and just wanted any excuse to leave. And I felt like I had 
um, you know, perhaps carved one out for myself. How did you go from idea to the food in the bowl? Can, can you take us through that step, given that you didn't have that food industry background? Um, how did you land on getting such a good product in the bowl from that idea? Well, look, I, you know, I always say you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelette. And I, I just figured, like, I just, I've always been like, I, I just, I like problem solving. Um, and to me, like, I kind of had what I felt like, I, I felt like I'd, I'd identified a problem in the industry, in particular in the QSR space. And to me, solving that problem was actually, well, how do I actually get it together? Like, how do I actually, it's one thing to identify the problem. It's another thing to, to teach yourself how to solve it. Um, and I did always have an interest in food and in business. Um, I had an interest in, you know, in, in people. And so I kind of just... You know, my, my, you know, the first time, the first thing I did was, I guess, recognize, well, I need, you know, I need good suppliers. So I, you know, rather than going to uni one day, I just went to the fish markets and you know what, it, like, to be honest, that was an education in itself, you know, from asking, you know, do you guys sell product to actually understanding like, do what even does it mean to wholesale? Um, you know, I, then that was actually how I found my, my, you know, so I, we, we, I started talking to a few seafood suppliers out there and, and started to just develop an understanding and, and slightly, you know, a slight education into the, I guess, just the, the you know, just the, you know, the, the kind of processing and, and handling of, of seafood and, and what that would look like if I was to actually bring it to life in a, in a shop front. Uh, and at the same time, like, as you know, at the fish markets, there's also a, 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 a provador. And so I started asking them similar questions about produce. And I had my ideas as to what I would like the offering to be. And like I said, without being a, you know, I wasn't from a chef background. I had never worked in, you know, in any kitchens, but I grew up loving to cook and food was always a huge part of my life. You know, I, we would cook dinner um, as a family every, you know, throughout the week. Like we would all like just my, myself and my siblings would take turns cooking. And then on Friday night, we would all always get together and, um, and, and cook as a family. And it was just something that became part of our, our livelihood and you know, part of it, like a really significant part of our lives. And so I started just to, um, I had a basic understanding. I, I felt like I knew how to, I, you know, it was a home cook. I, you know, you can, you can make pretty tasty food. And the thing with Japanese food, and it was like, just keep it simple, like hero the product. You know, we in Australia have access to really beautiful and fresh seafood. You know, we've got access to, you know, beautiful produce. And, um, you know, you start to go down this rabbit hole of actually, you know, learning about the spectrum of quality, you know, with respect to all those different suppliers. And for me, like, I always cared about that. So, you know, receiving a, a practical education um, by talking, you know, with growers and suppliers um, and different people that would end up handling the product that we ended up getting to store. Uh, yeah, you kind of just, you learn a lot. And we iterated the product for, you know, probably about six months. Um, constantly just trying it, refining it, different combinations, different recipes. Um, you know, we gave it to all of our friends. Uh, and eventually I had to, you know, the, the way I actually got that first store going is I actually had a, a taste test. The, the landlords um, in the particular building that I was in asked me to come into their office, which was in like, you know, on Hunter Street in, in the CBD. And I literally, you know, that morning I went to the fish markets. I, I bought the, you know, the, the, the sides of, what do we have at the time? We would have had a yellowfin tuna, a salmon sashimi. Uh, we had, you know, kingfish variety. I went and got all the fresh produce from the same markets and went, you know, went back home, you know, you know, I had a mandolin, you know, a good knife. And I, um, this is, this is, and then I, then I, then I packaged it all up, put it in a, 
in a, in a cool box and took it up to their office and sat around a, a big board room table with, you know, three landlords and we ate some food and they said, this is great. Like, you know, you, let's, let's, let's do a deal. And, um, yeah, that's how that first store came to me. Wow. Well, I want to explore what you've uh, created and the offering that you have um, shortly, but you gave us a little bit of a glimpse to family life when you were younger, but take us back to sort of when you were a kid and um, what sort of role did food play and what sort of feasts did you have? Um, well, I was from, I'm a, yeah, we were from, a, like I said, a, a, a real you know, food-loving background. My, my dad's uh, Iraqi, Israeli, and my mum's Hungarian. So there was always a lot of, um, you know, robust flavors in the household and, and also a, a lot of opinion around food. Um, so like I said, we would cook a lot, you know, a, a lot of Middle Eastern food. Um, but as a family, we would, yeah, our favorite thing to do was actually sushi night. So, you know, when we still do it, um, we still do it today, you know, not as often as we, we, we did back then, but, you know, every couple of months we'll get together and which, you know, um, myself, my brothers and sisters um, and, and my mom, we kind of just put together, like we, we just, you know, it's like we basically put out this you know, all the, the the base ingredients of you know your dream sushi spread. I'll share I'll share a photo with you. It's quite it's quite kind of funny to see because we really went all out from making the, you know, the the tamago to you know getting the the you know, the, the right um, you know containers to to store rice at the right temperature. We, you know, we all got pretty pretty into it, and um, you know that was actually the f- the first way I I, I set up fishbowl. I was like, I remember those sushi nights and how we had all the, the different ingredients compartmentalized and stored and processed. And I saw myself in setting up the first fishbowl as kind of the same thing, but rather than, you know, rolling it up, uh, we were actually tossing it as you do with the salad and, and, and creating a bowl. Take us back to sort of the beginning and, and becoming an entrepreneur with this idea and moving into the food space. What were the, what were the challenges for you? Well, look, everything was a challenge, but I kind of just embraced that. You know, I, I liked that it never came easy and enjoyed the feeling of um, achieving things. Like, uh, like I said, just in the first instance, like just going about finding a retail store and like who to talk to, how to identify what makes a good location or separates a good one from a bad one. Um, and I, I kind of just always thought I wanted to, like I said, I was at uni at the time, but I really was always just looking for an excuse to leave. So I was that kid on Gumtree looking for, you know, businesses to like buy and you know, anything just to kind of keep the, maintain the cash flow and get my parents off my back. That was what I was looking at doing or trying to do at the time. So I, I, I really always felt like, you know, and I, I look, I don't use the word the you know, entrepreneur, but to me, you know, creating my own business was always about, combining things that I valued and things that I loved and actually things that really interested me um, and getting to do them all um, using the business as my vehicle. And in this case, you know, the, the, the vehicle was food. And that was something that to me was, you know, was something I always felt like I loved. It wasn't necessarily where I thought my career would end up. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm so glad I am because it's such a dynamic space and, you know, you do, you know, come across, you know, uh, such a, you know, an array of characters and situations and, you know, like I said, all the kinds of problems and um, that do, you know, arise. And it has, it has been really fun and has been really hard, but, you know, I think that's just kind of the the feeling that we've learned to, to kind of ride with. 
You mentioned that it started in 2016 in a tiny venue, about 30 square metres. It's grown to, you know, over 30 venues now. Tell us about that growth period and how you've managed so many staff and, and so many venues without investors. Uh, well, look, you know, starting out, like when we had that one store, um, you know, and I started with my two, you know, my two friends at the time, Nick and Casper. You know, I was the one that, you know, when I say I had a food background, like a, you know, that background translates to, you know, yeah, we did a lot of cooking at home. Um, but with the two, as far as the two guys were concerned, you know, um, Nick was starting business, uh, you know, Casper was working in a bar. And I went to that store thinking, I need to show these two guys how to both, you know, make a salad better than I can make it and then how to run the store you know, better than I can run it. And that was the mindset from day one. And, you know, because I thought like if I can teach like two people that, you know, if I can just teach them to care and to understand like why they're doing what they're doing um, just in terms of the process of making a salad and, and, and what that looks like and just how to interact with customers and how I think we should be interacting with customers. And if I could do that, you know, maybe, maybe this was something that could grow. And so I, I always measured you know, how, um, you know, how much the store itself would depend on me because I felt like we just needed to create an ecosystem of, I guess, of people that wanted to be there, that wanted to produce beautiful food and create memorable experiences with customers. And that was the mindset from day one. And I knew like the challenge for me was, is this something that I can scale? Because that's what I haven't seen like in the industry is can we scale the art of making food and not just treat you know, growth food businesses, like a big set of robotics. Um, you know, can we actually, rather than say, oh, you put, this is how you do, you know, you dose dressing for a salad, actually teach people why we, you know, use this much dressing in this particular salad um, and why that changes from salad to salad. That was to me the thing that I wanted to scale. I wanted to scale the art of, of assembly. Um, and yeah, like I said, just, you know, I was like, I, you know, I can't teach you to be great in a day but I can teach you to care and I just need you to want to make a beautiful product um, and just be confident and, you know, the food's going to taste good. So that, that to me was, um, was, was the challenge from having, you know, when we had one store and that first store, you know, it, it worked really well. And I think we did um, what, what we were doing was resonating with a lot of people. And, you know, that first store fed the growth of that second store in Darlinghurst nine months later. And those two stores fed the growth of the third store in Manly, six months after that and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, we have been a, a cash flow positive business and it has, it is what has gotten us to this point. And I also saw that thought that was really important um, from the standpoint of, you know, growing or going as far as our customers would take us. You know, you hear so many stories of people that just get uh, you know, kind of a, a bit too ahead of their skis and just think, Oh, let's just roll this thing out. And don't get me wrong, like everyone was saying that to me, uh, let's just roll this thing out and, you know, be the next that or the next that. And I was like, I don't want to be the next anything. I just want to be the first this. And that's still, you know, where we're at. You know, we've been going for six years and yes, we, you know, we do have over 30 stores, but that's really only about five stores per year. And that to me is the amount I feel like we can, we can maintain quality. We can maintain consistency. We can maintain personality and integrity, all these things that, that mattered to me when we had one store is exactly the same way as I'll approach the 34th store and the 35th store. You know, it's that having that first store mentality. That's what we always say here. And, you know, the minute we, you know, we, we take our customer for granted or we, we take the fact that our, that this is actually working to me is the minute it all starts to turn to shit. And that's kind of the mindset I want everyone to have. It's 
how do we actually get better as we grow? And are we actually doing, you know, are the, our actions leading to, you know, to a better product and a better experience? And if they're not, then just turn around. At the core of everything that you uh, serve is sustainability and you're really concerned about where the produce comes from that you are selling and ends up in the bowl. T- tell us a bit about um, all the areas that you sort of um, are focused on in regards to sustainability. Yeah, well, uh, look, and there are a lot of areas and I can, I can, you know, I think the two really, um, look, one of the things on sustainability when it comes to fishbowl is, you know, once again, it was, it was an area of the industry that we looked at and said, what, like, what is going on in here? This is an industry that's responsible for so much, you know, single-use plastic and, and so much just consumption of, of ingredients, you know, like the, the downstream effects of, of um, producing food at volume are significant and that's something that we were taught to care about growing up. That's something that, um, you know, we were taught to care about at university. And so, you know, that was part of the foundation of our business, it wasn't something that we kind of one day sustainability and, um, you know, corporate responsibility became a factor and we had to go, oh, guys, what do we, how do we, you know, change our business to look like that? It was just something that we were able to kind of morph and, and grow with. But like, I'll, I'll speak to two things that, you know, that do have a big effect in our industry and, and, and how our business is addressing them. And the first would be packaging. Um, obviously, we are, a, you know, we're a predominantly takeaway business. And, you know, from when we started, we, you know, we, we we started six years ago. We were serving all of our product in PET, really a, a fancy, like they're basically plastic, right? They said that they were, you know, yes, they were recyclable, but you know, nothing actually ends up getting recycled. Um, you know, yes, they were you know, said to be able to break down, but like, you know, just you know, buried in your garden, it's probably going to be there a year later. And so, you know, we went down this rabbit hole of actually asking our suppliers, guys, we need better packaging um, solutions. And they didn't have them at the time, but we worked really close with them. You know, we, we were able to look at um, examples that were overseas. And we were able to look at examples that were being used in other areas of packaging and say, can't we just make bowls that are fully compostable and lids that are fully compostable? And can we change our whole drinks range to be, you know, 100% glass or recyclable um, aluminium? Uh, you know, similarly, we've also got, you know, reusable water bottles, um, you know, in all the stores. Like these were things that, they always mattered to us and we wanted to be at the forefront of, you know, of, of that kind of activity. So yeah, look, when it comes to packaging, our, our range is 100% compostable. And once again, we didn't just take our suppliers word for it. Like we got this, we got the samples to the office and my partner, Nick just went and buried a few samples in the, just the, we've got a compost garden out the back. He just went and buried a few samples. Didn't even tell any of us. And um, sure enough, I think it was like three and a half weeks. He had the number of days exact, but he goes, three and a half weeks later, you know, it was, it was gone. And he came back, actually, he came back and goes, guys, I want to show you something. And like, he, he actually, cause he actually um, did like a, like he took a photo of it where it was. And it was just, we were like mad. Like this actually, this, this actually works. It's not just a feel good story. Like this thing is actually take our food home, take the packaging, bury it in your garden and try it for yourself. Like it will disappear. Um, and in a matter of weeks. So that was really, that was really cool. And once again, we've just applied that approach to you know, each, every area of the business and every area of packaging. Uh, another big um, area where we realized we were having a, you know, some, some potentially, uh, you know, some downstream effects that we, we felt could be improved just was in the way that we sourced and, and used salmon. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a top seller at Fishbowl, obviously, you know, being 
fishbowl and, and, and salmon sashimi being something that people do love and being a fish that everyone is familiar with. And, you know, frankly, like, yeah, we did start, um, you know, when I, that day when I went to the fish markets and I tried to find like the you know, beautiful, the freshest sashimi I could find, it was coming from Tasmania and it was coming from, a you know, a, you know, a beautiful farm in Tasmania that were doing things above board and all, all the rest of it is the Australian standards are very, very high as they are. So it's not to throw shade on the industry down south there, but the journey I went on was, well, the, you know, can we find a better solution? And so that was a journey for us. And over the last year and a half, we've been sampling, um, you know, different salmon from, you know, from, 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 from Scotland, from Australia, from New Zealand. And we eventually landed on a product uh, on an ocean farm product coming out of Stewart Island in New Zealand South, which is a re- really remote part of the world, um, the southernmost point of New Zealand. You know, it's a massive island. There's barely any, you know, barely any roads there. Um, you know, the only people that live on the island are people that you know, are either um, like, you know, envir- like environmental um, conservationists. Uh, and there's a, there's, a, there's a really small footprint um, um, salmon farm called Big Glory Bay. And they produce a, a breed of salmon called um, King Salmon or Chinook, Chinook Salmon. And it really is like a world-class product. It's a beautiful product. You know, they only produce a few thousand metric tons of it uh, per annum, uh, which by comparison to say like your, your farms in Tasmania, I think the smallest ones probably producing about like 50 or 60,000 metric tons. Um, so these guys are producing two. So it's just, it's a really um, unique product, a really beautiful product. Um, their um, just the lengths that they go to to produce it and process it and handle it and then air freight it to us. Uh, you know, something that you know we had to work on. Yeah, like I said, over the past over the past year. But um, you know, we can proudly say that when you eat salmon at Fishbowl, you're eating Big Glory Bay salmon. And you know, it is something that I definitely encourage people to try. Like it's noticeably different. Tell us a bit about the selection of, of location for the offering. Is, is it really vital in nailing that location as you've grown? Look, like everything, we've learned on the fly. You know, I didn't come into this, you know, having a, any experience as a development manager or someone who knew what good um, real estate looked like insofar as QSR restaurants. But look, we've got a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of crew that work with us that just they're here because they want to learn fast and they want to you know, learn hard and fast. And, and so myself, everything we do is, like I said, it's just a, it's just a process of iteration. So we've gotten better at um, site selection. You know, it's something that we wanted to prove to ourselves that we could make fishbowl work in nearly any setting. So that meant any size, any location. You know, they said we were crazy opening in Bondi in the middle of winter. And now, like, it's funny, Bondi seems really obvious to everyone right now, but six years ago, even in like, you know, a new building, People were like, oh, you know, that's, you're going to have a bit of a, you know, you're going to have a tricky time there. Um, and, you know, whereas I approached it like, hey, look, if we can create a product that, that works in Bondi in the middle of winter, then, you know, we might actually be onto something. So, yeah, look, the way I, you know, I look at a lot of real estate. Um, I've kind of worked what uh, worked out what does work well for us. And I try and find locations that, you know, that kind of have, that, that do have the demographic that our product, I feel our product will resonate with. Uh, but ultimately, I don't want to restrict you know, access to anyone. I want to appear, I want it to be convenient. I want people to have an, you know, have a, a better alternative than the traditional fast food players, um, uh, you know, that you that might appear in, in, in food courts or in shopping centers or on high streets, you know, where 
we're doing something at a similar price point, but we're actually giving you value beyond just, you know, dollars and cents. And I, and I hope people feel that because it's something that we're, you know, we try and get better at every day. And we, we like I said, we really give a shit when it comes to the product and the experience that, that, that one will have coming into a fishbowl. The last couple of years, the adversity has made everyone in, in the food sector rethink things and change the way they do things. Is it, is it, has it changed the way you operate or the way that you um, what, want to do what you want to do in the industry? Has it changed the way we operate? Look, for us, it was, a, it was about staying the course. You know, um, it has, look, the last few years has thrown out a, a lot of challenges, but you know, you, people forget, like, you know, the, the industry itself was, was heavily challenged going into 2020. And, you know, those challenges, sure, they were exacerbated, but we just looked at it and we asked ourselves, like, what is in our control? What are the areas of our business that we can actually get better at whilst we can't travel, whilst we can't put new stores in the ground, um, you know, whilst we can't share our product with as many people as we would like to? And, you know, we addressed all those areas, you know, be it, um, you know, better suppliers, better handling processes, um, better logistics, better marketing, better branding. Uh, you know, these were, you know, these were all, I mean, we just looked at all the areas of our business that we could affect in a positive way and really improve. And we kind of saw ourselves as being in this slingshot moment whereby, sure, the last two years we were like in that, you know, that kind of drawback position. But we knew that, you know, we had the product and the people that when we came out of it, that we would, it would propel us, um, you know, it would propel us once things, everything, you know, once the, the climate improved and, and once the, you know, things started to, to normalize. Um, and I think that's where we're at at the moment, you know, like the stores are busier than ever. Um, the people that we're attracting and developing are, are better than ever and more motivated than ever. And it's, it's, it's so cool to see because, you know, we want people in this environment to actually come in and, and grow and develop and learn with us and grow with us. And it has been good and, and rewarding to see that happen over the last few months. Well, what you've created is quite extraordinary. Um, and what do you love about what you do? Well, I love, um, yeah, I love working with amazing people um, around a product that I love and in a brand that I love. You know, it's, it's the kind of, like, I love problem solving and I see that as really the, at the core of my job. Like I'm dealing with different problems every day and I'm, I'm, I'm loving the challenge of having to come up with creative solutions for them. I, I love working with different people across different industries and um, understanding how, you know, the, the kind of tentacles of our own brand and product and, 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 and the doors that they're able to open, uh, you know, with respect to, to, to growth. And, you know, that's ultimately what drives me. It's that, it's that, um, it's that not knowing what the future holds, but knowing that if we can kind of, you know, do the work today and, 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 and maintain this mindset of like, let's get better as we grow. I think that it, it should only lead to, to good things down the line. And of course, you know, it'll lead to more challenges and, you know, the, the bigger you get, the more the challenges do kind of tend to snowball. But these are all things that we're embracing and prepared for. And like I said, we really do have an amazing, um, uh, you know, team of people that you know do 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 an incredible job of just making sure that our business is kind of heading in the right direction, and also staying true to you know who we said we were when we had one store. 
world, Nathan. Congratulations on what you are building. Um, it's been an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks so much for having me on today. Really appreciate it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.